3: Hello and welcome to the death of football. <laughs> I'm joined today by three fantastic guests as we talk about Arsenal's game against Fulham for a very small amount of time before we then go on to talk about the crux of, of course, all of the Arsenal discussion and football discussion of the last day and a bit that's that's dropped since the announcement. Um, just from a selfish personal point of view, genuinely has been a really kind of awful 24 hours because... Just, I mean, it happening in the first place, the announcement happening, a couple of shows, of course, I'm sure a lot of you have seen now um, as well. And, and then having to work through the day. I mean, if I had to type the words European Super League one more time into an article, I may have screamed. It got to that stage where every single one of the eight articles that went out today every single one of them was about the Super League it's just yeah (laughs) and now I get to talk about it for an hour and a half we'll be going to in probably about 10 minutes time but first of all let me introduce to you my guest today first of all it's been a little bit of a while but Tom glad to have you back on the show mate are you doing well yeah really well good to see all the boys
2: again and I was actually hoping for a quiet night so we could just talk about (laughs) the league but sods yeah
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, of course, that everyone now on the regulars sign up for these shows, uh, typically. And Tom signs up for the show, thinking it's going to be a nice, quiet chat about Fulham, uh, completely unaware that, of course, this is going to then happen. Uh, Adam, always a pleasure, mate. How have you spent your last day? Has it been stressful? Has it been calming? Have you been avoiding it? What have you been doing? Um, I've been
0: embracing it. I've been trying to not have one side or, or the you've other. Been hugging <laughs>
3: officials is all you've been doing.
0: Yeah, you've been doing that. <laughs> Taking in all the information, seeing what's going on. Um...
3: Getting a little bit of. I mean, you sound like a Dalek. It's gone to that stage now. I don't. Your connection is pretty dreadful. There, you're good you, at. You might have to sort something out. Uh, I'll, I'll let I'll let you sort something out, and uh, you can come back in in a second. You might just need to refresh it. I don't know, but something needs to change. Um, Drew, it's. I I really appreciate going back on the show, mate. It's been. It's a ridiculous amount of time. I'm glad to see you here and back. Um, but this is a great topic to talk about, a really cheerful subject. What I mean, we've we had a lot of discussions on socials over the last 24 hours and in the group chat as well. But how are you feeling?
4: Well, it's a cheerful subject. So clearly, that's why I'm back on. So it's all, it's all connected. No, I mean, I'm, I'm doing well otherwise. Um, a bit better now. Uh, weather's good outside. So just trying to embrace melting into a chocolate puddle every day for the next five months.
3: yes i can imagine it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter every single day um let's let's start um with uh the, the game because of course the whole point of the tgt podcast for those that aren't aware is that we usually do these a day after the league games so we can discuss the league games we're gonna do that very briefly and then we're gonna get into the meat and gravy of of what actually has really kind of happened adam i'll start with you mate fulham At home, we scored seven goals in two matches ahead of this match. We rotate quite heavily and we get a very kind of Arsenal 2021 or 2020-2021 kind of display.
0: Yeah. I just want to check first of all, is my connection better?
3: It sounds like I can hear you fine. We'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think, like you say, it it was a typical Arsenal 2021 performance. Um, You would expect with the kind of form that Fulham have had this season, Arsenal would be able to beat them. You would expect that even with rotations, considering the fact that we've been in dare I say quite good form the past couple of days, that we or past couple of games, sorry, we would have been able to beat Fulham, Fulham comfortably. But it just it just never seems to work out that simply. Um, this game of football that we all love is is uh subject to change uh, quite often. And I think I think yeah it's it's a bit of a shame for me because I think we were beginning to build up a nice headed steam into the business the end of the season and it, it kinda looked like looks like it's been derailed by a whole range of things. Um mm. but yeah, but I'm I'm glad Nketiah got a goal. Um and I guess that's probably <laughs> the only positive I can take from it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. I completely understand it isn't, it's a positive to take from the game that we scored. I thought it was one of those classic Arsenal games of the season where we've dominated it. We've made a lot of chances that we should have scored. We didn't. They get one penalty, score the penalty, and then we're in we're in deep water at this point, and we should have come out of a much better result. Um, the meltdown then that follows was cataclysmic, and that was before we even found out about the news that we've been talking about for the last 24 hours as well. Um, as you expect uh, from Arsenal these days. Drew... Uh, were you surprised by the performance or was it a case of, no, th- we've seen this time and time again this season and then once again, we see it yet again?
4: I think I'm not surprised, but if uh, I think over the uh, in our last six, we've now dropped points to Fulham and Burnley and both of them are 17th and 18th in the table. So how shocked can we really maybe be? But I think it's more of the fact that you, you can look at it and just say, I think, Arteta to a, a large extent, and I think most of the players as well, I think all their eyes are on Europa League. I think everyone's now fully on board, rightly or wrongly, with the fact that the only way forward, at least the rest of the season, is we have to win Europa League. Not that it necessarily matters now, but we'll come into that later. But I think that's that was the mentality going into that match. You know, eggs in one basket. Mathematically, we're still in it domestically, but realistically, so many things have to happen for us to get, you know, top six. Top seven, I, I would avoid because I don't want to have that Europa Conference nonsense. You know, that's just a whole other disaster waiting to happen, but... I think, I think that was reflected in the performance. And and for me, it just kind of, it still shows that we're still too, still too Jacqueline Hyde in terms of how we perform on the pitch from week to week to, to really consider ourselves worthy of a higher place in the table. So I mean, I'm disappointed, but I'm not shocked either. And I think most of us could say that across the vast majority of, of the season, really, if you really think about it. So just trying to keep it simple, moving it forward, but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not terribly shocked. And, um, you know, you could say that they absolutely got lucky for the penalty, but again, when you look at our performance, we, we shouldn't have to be saying things like that. You know, we should be beating Fuller comfortably at home, you know, even with even with rotation, even with some of the changes we were forced to make. That, that's all irrelevant to me, sort of. So there's still work to be done. So, yeah, we'll, we'll move on and take it from there.
3: Uh, Tom, final kind of thing that we're going to talk about uh, with with Fulham is just kind of where this now sits us in the league, which I know is tricky to talk about um, considering the situation of everything. Um, but it was an opportunity for Arsenal. Had we have beaten Fulham and then beaten Everton, Um, to go above Everton in the league at that point. Um, And obviously Everton and Spurs dropping points themselves. We've seen other teams drop points. And it seems that this season, when the pressure's been on and Arsenal have been tasked with picking up points where other teams have dropped them, they haven't done that and they haven't taken those key opportunities. I also thought that kind of linked into, in terms of a mentality issue with the way that, and I know that Nketi has not played much football and it's his first goal for a long time, but the celebrations from a, draw at home against Fulham in the last minute where there's still time left to grab the ball and run to the halfway line. It really bothered me, the celebrations. It really bothered me. And I know a lot of people turn around and was like, look, I think, you, I think you're reading a bit too into it. I think you, it's not as bad as you think. But for me, that in itself encompassed kind of a mentality issue that we've seen at Arsenal for a long, long time. The fact that they're that lacking of will to win and realising the context of the situation. But what did you think about that side of the game?
2: Um, look, I... I think, uh, look, this is what Arsenal are. Uh, this is where we are at the moment. I think uh, we had to rotate and uh, from the Europa League because we obviously put all of our eggs into that basket. Um, if we played our full-strength team and a couple of extra players got injured, obviously Lacazette got injured, but a couple of players got injured and say we won 2-1 would probably be all over the manager. So... At some point, you do have to prioritize. So I don't really have any issues with him rotating. And let's be honest, we do have a middle of a table kind of squad. So, and there are no easy games in the premiership. So if we put out our best our first team, our best strength team, and we play the right players in the right positions and the taxes on point, we'll probably win that game. But we have to choose. And the manager chose and he paid the price. Um So it's unfortunate, but it's the team that we have now.
3: Um, of course, chat box, welcome. Hello to everyone that is tuning in for today's show. Uh, I know that we're not going to be discussing the Fulham game really much more than that. And there are reasons for that. I'm also going to change the layout uh, as well, because I kind of want this now, this discussion to be more of an open playing field um, for everybody to have kind of their thought and discussion displayed. If people feel like they want to jump in and have a discussion and want to argue a point, I think that's we're open to that um, as well. I th- this... <laughs> The idea of a Super League, which has now been... Uh, which is being attempted to be ratified and attempting to be brought to the table and the, to the point where the table is now being shaken about with these 12 teams and they're trying to get more teams on board and other teams are just turning around and saying no at this point I mean the latest information if you, if you aren't aware of you've been living under a rock is that you know who the 12 teams are but now the likes of Bayern Munich, RB Leipzig, Dortmund and all of the other German sides have basically said no there's still questions around French teams because the Super League effectively wants a couple of French teams to be in Involved um and it puts the PSG in a very difficult situation themselves. Um and who else that other second French team is, how they earn that place, if it's on merit and if it's on history and stature, you probably look to a Marseille, who competitively in comparison to Monaco and Lille and-, and Lyon this season are way off the pace. Uh quite similar to how we might be looked upon in the Premier League too. So There's really big issues. There's also discussions around how all of the nations pretty much that are being left out, the likes of Turkey, Portuguese clubs, uh, are shunning this completely, putting out statements. And all of the governing bodies, and I'm talking about the kind of the FA and La Liga and the Premier League and the DFB and all of these uh, organisations, both national and league-based, are completely against this idea. And, of course, on top of that, you've then had a press conference from UEFA Um, where Serefian has basically uh, turned around and said that there's a lot of snakes, (laughs) which he didn't hold back at all, which fair play to the guy for doing that. And by the way, a little bit of trivia, I believe this is right in that he is actually Andrea Agnelli's daughter's godfather, um, which is quite incredible. If you've not, uh, if you didn't know that there's a, a weird link there, they are very, they were rather quite close as people. And now it seems that that relationship is pretty dead. Um, and it seems that the main guy, as as we expect these days to be, is Florentino Perez, is is the main kind of figurehead behind this, is the president of the organization or whatever you want to call it. And then there are, yes, so we can call him that, the godfather. Um, and then there are a number of kind of, should we call them generals, I suppose, underneath, like Andrea Agnelli, for instance um that are involved in this stan Cronkey was rumored to be one of the vice presidents he's not from the far as i'm aware he's not one of those he's basically just on the board uh from all i'm aware of um but it means now that we're in a situation where there is utter it's not i mean someone really put it really well on social media that it's not civil war it's all out nuclear war in regards to football right now it's it goes beyond civil war at this stage um I want to get an initial reaction from you, obviously, about this. And I also want to get kind of your view on if you think that it will happen in the end, if you feel like it is going to go ahead, whether you think that eventually the the, the forces that be, the the resistance to it will be too great and it won't be able to take place and the legal side of things will come into play or the players will have something to do with it. Um, Drew, we'll start with you and then we'll get people just piling in and, uh, and feel free to have your say. So, Drew, off you go, mate.
4: Mm, I mean, no, I'm not surprised. I think maybe some of us are surprised at the timing. But I think if you ask me if this happened five years from now, I would say that's probably about right. I think we've all kind of seen the breadcrumbs about this is it was always going to trend in that direction. There's so much money in football. And eventually, you know, you have statements and, and, and things like billionaires, boys clubs for a reason, like they want it to be exclusive. Right. So, I can understand maybe from a certain aspect of some of the financial parts of it. I think maybe that's maybe where Adam is coming from as well. I think if you are a billionaire and your whole idea about owning a football club or any sports franchise is about, you know, the success on on the pitch or on the field or on the ice or whatever, supersedes the fact that you look at it as an investment and you want to make as much money as possible. This is exactly the route you would be taking. That doesn't mean I agree with it. It means I'm not surprised by it. You know, you can look at a lot of certain aspects of a lot of the American sports, North American sports and see kind of that same thing. You know, you see why um, the whole reason why KSC moved the St. Louis Rams back to LA is because there's more money in LA for them to make long-term as a sports franchise. There just is, you know, they have their new stadium with that stadium comes rights that aren't just about the Rams. It's about anything, you know, even maybe linked to this. That's a whole other discussion which we can go on to later. But there's reasons why things like this happen. So, no, I'm not surprised. I think certain mitigating factors made this happen now. I think COVID is a big issue. I think the fact that we haven't had fans at matches, really, I think a lot of the owners maybe could have sat there and said, you know, not just not the fact that we're losing money, um, but also the fact that they might feel they don't really need fans, really. And if they do need fans, because football is such a global game, so many people are still going to watch the, those clubs play irrespective of fans not being there at the ground. 60,000 fans at the Emirates does not trump however many hundreds of thousands of millions of people watching an Arsenal match on TV, which still make more money for a long term. So for me, this is just, it's strictly about money. And I know they, they were talking about that on Sky earlier. This is it's nothing other than just finances. And the thing for me that I think a lot of people need to recognize is the clubs would not have gone through with this if they didn't feel they had a very good chance, if not an iron-tight chance to have this go through for the money to be there for them to be making. They wouldn't have taken the risk if they really genuinely felt this wouldn't be working. I think that's what people have to pay attention to. Most businessmen at that level don't make those kind of decisions if it's not gonna come off well, because the backlash, if it doesn't come off well, this just the fact of the the loan that they took out to make this happen, these, these kind of things. So that loan means that that loan has to be repaid. So if this didn't come off, they're all up up the creek. Now we pay back a loan with a league that didn't end up coming off and existing. So there's so many parts to this that have to be guarantees or near guarantees for them to have taken this risk, which means that they feel like their risk was a good one, which means that they're convinced it's going to work. So I do think it is going to work. I think it might not be 100% how they envisioned it. Maybe they'll only get 90%, 85%. But I think for me, the one more thing I took away, and let's get you know Adam and Tom to come in as well, is that I think this could be a precursor to something bigger. And we talked about this on the TGT WhatsApp group, that you you look at things like everyone questioned why Qatar got the World Cup, like no one understood it. You know, Between the time of the year, the fact that they didn't have infrastructure, they had to build everything from scratch. You know, you could look at the fact that if, if the, the Super League comes off well, and if their whole plan to expand it is to, not have it be something instead of Champions League, but have it be its own actual league, completely disconnected from other leagues. If that's the actual end game plan, you can have certain things like, you know, the fact that we were testing matches at neutral venues because of COVID could have made the owners see, you know what, maybe if we make this a global thing and have teams start playing at venues around the world, there's even more money to be made from that. So, I think this is kind of almost a precursor to that. And th- this could be 10 to 20 years away, obviously, but I think things like this could could be an actual thing. I think football's too global for this to be just a localised thing. And I think that's yeah. kind of where my head is at with everything right now.
3: Oh, uh, go on, Adam. I know you wanted to jump in on this. Yeah,
0: no, I think I think spit spitting facts. Um, although I have to say, I don't necessarily think I'm surprised by the timing of it. Uh, I think COVID... Um, has we all know has impacted clubs' finances massively. Uh, clubs have been hemorrhaging money. Real Madrid are in billion. well, I think it was well, certainly hundreds of millions of pounds of debt or euros. Mm. Barcelona of debt.
3: are one billion euros plus,
0: you are in a huge amount of debt. Barcelona, the same. So, I look at this and I'm hearing the figures that are, are mooted in, in part of it, and I'm thinking, well, if I were them, it would be a no brainer. I'd consider doing this same thing as well. Um, but. I, I do believe that if I think Drew mentioned, is it is it going to happen? Or you you asked, is it going to happen? I think if if it doesn't, um, then UEFA and all of the other clubs need to take a real long, hard look at themselves because I don't see how you can keep um, bending over backwards. I don't see how you can keep allowing these concessions to be made for people that are always dangling the carrot of, oh, we're going to leave unless you give us X. Um, I don't see how that's a sustainable way to, to run any kind of organisation or franchise. So so they, they have that to consider. But one point I kind of consider today is that of all of the teams who are meant to be in the European Super League, I feel like the fans of Arsenal that are against it will have a very important role to play. And the reason I think that is because all the other teams, maybe bar Tottenham, have sporting success uh, or have had sporting success in the past couple of years. Arsenal, on the other hand, haven't really. Um, So I think there's a kind of interesting dynamic there to say, well, this is purely a commercial thing. Um, Whereas the fans of other clubs could say, well, at least there's sporting success. We want to see the best of the best play the best of the rest. But Arsenal don't have that claim. Um and they can't make that justification. So I think there's a there's a little thing there um to consider as well. and i i, I don't I, I don't know how I feel about it if I'm being brutally honest with you. I think if done in the right way, it could be a great advert for football. Um, but because I know that the reasons for it are purely commercial, i don't I don't think it's gonna work out that way at all.
3: Tom, do you? I mean, Adams raised a decent point there, in the saying and kind of looking at the other perspective of it is that it could be really good for Arsenal. Like, like without thinking about it from the way I'm, all, I'm continuously that's always going around in my head over and over again. If I ignore my instincts for a second, it could be really good for Arsenal. In the fact that we're not in the Champions League, we're pretty far away from the Champions League. Other than if we were to. Get a surprise win in the Europa League this season but in the context of the league we are very far off being a top four team in my opinion and it's going to take a long time naturally for Arsenal to earn that so from a purely selfish financial point of view from the owner's perspective and from the club's executive perspective it could be very beneficial for them because as we talk about the, the fees that are involved the 300 million euro plus joining fee uh, or joining reward as it's being described as for joining that, is going to be hugely beneficial for Arsenal. And if you think about the fact that the likes of Leicester, West Ham, I've looked to overtake Arsenal this season, that other clubs like Wolves and Everton and Aston Villa that are are pretty much catching, and if not, I've already caught them as well, um, that this will separate them. And this is also a case of there's no risk of ever falling out of that competition. So do you see the point of view that from a, a financial, from a business perspective, it's an unbelievable opportunity for Arsenal?
2: yeah i mean look i'm i'm as you know i'm an economist in my background so i always look at it from an economic point of view uh so i just want to quote quickly uh swiss ramble you probably saw his tweet earlier in the day when Mm. he talked about the of the just looking at it now the 2019 2020 total debt of the 12 founding clubs uh it's total to 7.4 billion pounds of debt right so when I look at it from uh let's not talk about economically or, or rather than footballistically, I mean this is a travesty, right? There's there's because you've got um a successful, potentially a successful business owned by some of the shrewdest investors and billionaires in the world, and we are not from a from an economic standpoint capitalizing on the potential revenues and profits of these clubs. So if you have seven point four billion pounds of debt between these twelve clubs, that is there's inefficiency somewhere. Something is not working, and because we've gone from a from the pre Premier League era, um, which was kind of much more meritocracy, to the extreme now, which is basically almost free market capitalism, it's only normal that the the markets would basically would squeeze out the the uh, inefficiencies in the market, right? So the market is correcting itself. So you've got these massive clubs, like, you know, we, we know uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona have hundreds of millions of followers around the world. If they're charging one pound, $1, $10 a month subscription, they'll be earning hundreds of millions a year, which they're not currently earning from, the, from this current model. So as a pure business, if you're looking at it, you're coming in objectively and saying, hold on, we have this many followers. We have fans in Asia, in Africa, Australia, the US. And we're having to share our pot of money with all these clubs across Europe and all these clubs in our domestic league. Yet we still need to pay all this extra money to keep up with the Joneses. Um, so with the PSGs in the cities, for example, the, the business model just doesn't balance up. And I think that the issue is, is that yes, you have some owners, despite being oligarchs, who do do it for more than just the money, right? Let's say Roman Abramovich, right? There's always been a glory aspect to it that he obviously loves football, goes to all the games, wants to see his team do well. But then you have the other owners, more so the American owners, who look at it as a, as a from an investment point of view. And so, this, like, you look at it, what's the biggest blocking point to them making all these potential additional revenues? UEFA. So, why don't we get rid of UEFA? We don't need them. <laughs> Um, so if they bypass UEFA now, they have direct access to negotiate uh, from uh, a smaller pond of, of players to a huge global audience, and there can be now a direct sale of of the of of basically the commodity, which are the football clubs, to the customers. So you're just fully unlocking the the capitalistic potential of the football uh, business as a whole. So. From a from a from an economic point of view, it's 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 a smart move and it's it's a natural one that would happen in any free market, right? It's like venture capitalists in America in the in the 1980s, right? You see inefficiencies, you jump in, you shake things up, you make billions of dollars and you move on. They don't really care about you know the fans and the 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 smaller teams in the lower leagues. No one cares mm-hmm. about that. And because we've opened up football to billionaires. To royal families, to oligarchs, to hedge funds. States. I mean, this is states, yeah. I mean, this is. It's only natural that the market will correct itself because it does not make sense that these twelve clubs have seven point four billion of debt. And you look at the American clubs. I don't think the top twelve clubs there have seven point four billion of debt. So, from that point of view, I totally understand why they're doing this. Um, from a football point of view, obviously, it's terrible but i think it's been it's not just something which happened overnight i think it's been years in the making um and uh, i think today is really like the final straw and now everyone's seeing that maybe football wasn't always about football um <laughs> even though you look at the uh, four mm. clubs in the champions league semi-finals and look at their finances then i mean we could have probably told you that already so for me this is just a natural uh evolution of where football is heading
4: I mean, to come off the back of that, I think you know football hasn't been about football since it primarily came into yeah. existence. Since it, since the, since the early nineties, it hasn't been. I think a lot of fans, they might have seen like the like the numbers that Tom was talking about, or or just looking at it from like the business angle. So many people don't understand that angle, so they can't possibly look at it from that context. But um, I think for me, the the kind of the biggest key is if you look at it. I think we're all sort of maybe unanimously against the formation of it as football fans, but from an Arsenal standpoint, from their ownership, if this is going to go forward that we kind of expect it will from their standpoint is they have to be in it. And um, Tom mentioned unlocking, but I was using it in a different example. There are still so many fans around the world globally that have not been tapped into yet as a source of revenue. For big football clubs, think of it this way: I mean, the U.S. alone has 320 million people in it. You know, obviously you you can you can then subtract people who, who don't know what they're watching on TV. So you subtract any person up to the age of I don't know four or whatever, just just for, for for numbers' sake. And then the elderly usually don't, unless they're already passionate about something. They don't usually give their time to it. So you're still looking at a, like a like a like an untapped overall potential viewership base that even if you spread it across, it's something like 200 million people that can watch football in this country alone. And then you have the fact that Liverpool have American owners, Arsenal have American owners, United have the Glazers and they're based in the US obviously. So you already have three of the founding 12 clubs have a vested interest in trying to grow the sport in the United States where there's, and in this country clubs and franchises make so much money from TV, from, from any number of things. So for example, and uh tom brought up the point about if you take around just an example if if you charge 100 million fans two pounds a year or whatever you know it's x however many dollars right so in the us here you have you can only watch certain teams if you have access to their channel in certain markets so for example i'm from new york right so i'm a huge new york rangers fan when i was in new york i could watch rangers games without a problem because i had access to msg or i could just go to the garden to watch a rangers game the second I was no longer there, I then had to pay X amount of dollars more per month to be able to watch Rangers games, or else I couldn't watch it. And there's a lot of people globally that are more than willing to pay that money if they can watch their club play or their team play or whatever it is. And they know that. And this is what I'm saying, and that's why you've been seeing maybe a change in the wind about how um, how you watch matches in the UK now. How it's been, it's been drip fed over and over, but this is the way moving forward. Right. And I think that's kind of why I brought it back to I don't know if local matches are going to be as much of a thing anymore, which is why you're seeing these little tiny things pop up here in the little background that all sort of it's leading us to something a little bit different. So and just
2: quickly, I, I think, again, I, I'm not trying to jump on the, the the Super League bandwagon, although Arsenal are in it. But um, we made (laughs) it. We're there. But I just wanted to say that I think, as someone who's like lived abroad, obviously I'm from London, but I lived in Europe for several years and I lived in Africa for for five years. I, I think UK fans really struggle to understand just how big the game is, and we kind of seem to have this arrogance that oh, because we go to games, and oh, I grew up in North London. I live down the road from the stadium I somehow deserve Arsenal more than some kid in South Africa or uh, a kid in Indonesia but believe you me those kids around the world love Arsenal with this same passion as we do yeah. and they didn't even grow up here I mean I kind of fell into Arsenal because I grew up in in the area but these kids really love Arsenal so it's, it's we don't own we don't have a monopoly over the over the heart and soul of Arsenal we are a global club we've got fans all over the world and as drew said if it means maybe we play a couple of regular league games uh in this in the states or in asia or somewhere in africa just think about just the appeal that like how much that could grow so it's it's not it's no longer like a village team full of uh or like full of miners or guys who work at the munitions factory it's so much more than that and i feel like it's almost having to accept that the game has Grown beyond N five, right? We we're, we're not just Arsenal as a small North London club. We are much much bigger than that.
4: I, I agree, and I think if you, if you look at you can look at it in a broader context. If you look at how human history has worked out, human history, the way society has been built, has strong way largely from tribalism a long time ago. There's still elements of tribalism there in every everyday society, but the large entities of it are no longer that way. And if they are, they're larger tribes, right? Football is still very tribal to the very local level, which is why you still have people following clubs that are fifteenth down, down, down the league football ladder, you know. But so I think that's where a lot of um, Arsenal fans come from. There's still that tribalism attachment, mm-hmm. and so they feel like if you're not from our tribe, well. I didn't give you permission to come into it, so I don't accept you. And that's why you still have that sort of local fan versus foreign fan debate that still exists for whatever reason. And I think it's ignorant because, as you say, football is has always been global. And now it's even more so that. And, again, ownership knows that. And they, they don't care if someone who is from North London no longer can go to an Arsenal match. If they're making five times the money from another fan from somewhere else, mm-hmm. that's more than willing to pay for it. That's all that's going to matter to them. And that's what I keep trying to tell people is that Football is, is, is business. And when I when I looked at this and I looked at it in depth and I, I'm not an economist by background, like my, my majors was, was in history and political science. So I come at a lot of things from that angle. But the fact is like, I, I see this as like a very hostile business takeover of football. And that's exactly how it's been played out. It was very quiet behind the scenes. The people who knew, knew it was coming and they didn't need to warn you because they'll be fine without you. That's 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 their lens. If, and if they are come at it from that angle, that's how you know it's going to end up working out. They don't mm. care that it's not going to work out for some other people because it's going to work out for them. So very quickly. You know.
3: Just before Adam goes in, um, just let me read out this super chat very quickly, and Adam's going to come in. Uh, the real Janice says, uh, "Are they going to turn our football clubs into sporting franchises? Football is based off the historical achievements, and the uh, European Super League uh, means that none of that matters anymore." I think that's Janice. I it's it's think we're going to come on to a little bit later on, talking about sports franchises. So don't worry, we will get there. We will talk about that. Adam, I know you want to have. your desperate to have your say on this, so go for it, fella.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think. I think the worrying thing is that as Drew and Tom have said it was something that was coming from such a long time but I almost feel like I didn't I didn't see it it was hiding in plain sight um a lot of the fact that the games were were being played in different places we didn't have fans for such a long time um it was it was there for me to see but I feel like the the idea has been planted in my mind and I just didn't take notice of the signs that were there in the first place um and I, I feel Naive. I feel like I've been naive. I feel like I've done something silly for not sort of making noise about it far sooner than it than it than it happened. But yeah, I think as as I said, these guys have already touched on it. The the game has gone global now. Um and I don't know what that means for to be a fan anymore. I don't know how you mm. show your support for Arsenal anymore because it, it's no longer you can't take pride in saying, yeah, I've got a season ticket. I'm going to go every every single year. Does, does the way this league is going to set up, does it lend itself to matches being played in different countries? Does it lend itself to uh, the league being moved elsewhere uh, and the stadium just being... I don't know, used as a venue for Brazil to play their matches in or something or uh, another venue for Westlife to have a, a concert at or something like that. I don't know. It, so yeah, I think I think it raises so many more questions that obviously we can't answer yet, but we're going to do our absolute best to. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I think it for me, it's worrying that these things have happened. I didn't see it coming and they can change it at the drop of a hat so so what what's next what else can they change money money's clearly talking
3: it money is clearly the, obviously we know that's the driving factor we know that is the main reason behind all of this change and to play devil's advocate to it again what Tom Tomo you and I you got a lot of appreciation for what you were saying in the chat box earlier on because you were 100% spot on in that point of view in saying look at the end of the day like these clubs have been utterly screwed over at times by uefa by fifa by tv broadcasting companies time and time again the reason that they're in debt is quite a lot in part down to what they have had done to them by those authorities i saw someone tweeted me an amazing picture that i want to share with you guys as well um and it was an interesting picture it was balaji on twitter that sent me this let me just show, share my screen with you and you'll be able to see it as well it's really good but notice see if you can notice the thing that i noticed he was like this is a great picture and i was like it is but do you notice the the main difference have a look at this picture um it should be on your screen now um hoping that you can see it. You might have to zoom in a little bit. Uh, let me throw it up on the full screen, then you might be able to see it easier. Uh, there you go. Uh, so it says, this is the perfect picture to explain the current situation. UEFA is the main culprit. If they were fair, this Super League would not have existed. Um, and I mean, the difference between the top and the second picture, for me, the main thing I notice in this is the disappearance of the children. That That is the main difference between the two. Is that you can no longer see the kids in the picture, and the kids. Oh, that's are that's us. very deep, bro. That's I really know, deep. but the kid, the kids are <laughs> It's really deep, but it's a great picture, and it really makes a lot of sense because whilst in the first picture, the clubs have been having to hand all of this money to UEFA and giving back to the guys that are restricting them, and we as fans are getting this tiny small piece of the action where we are slightly cared about. In the next image, where they then take control. We don't matter anymore. They... All of the money goes towards them. Everything it's, goes towards that. Go it's also through.
4: it's also the size of the pie. The pie is bigger, and they're sharing less. Are they saying pizza, none, Drew? Yeah. The pizza. No, we, we call it a pizza. <laughs> we call it a pizza
3: pie. I know so. you call it a pie. <laughs> but so it's a pizza. <laughs> the,
4: the pizza has gotten bigger, and now instead of sharing a bigger piece of it with the same global audience, they're now just keeping it for themselves. So which is the whole point, which just goes back to what we were just saying before. It's all about maximizing that untapped profit and pocketing it for that global elite that we were discussing about the billionaires club, but kind of what I mentioned. So yeah, no, but very deep calm. Sometimes you do know what you're talking
3: about. <laughs> <laughs> it's only taken a few tactical breakdowns. To get. Um, Drew, let me come to you about the, What Janice was saying earlier about the, the sporting franchises, about the idea that we could pick up this club, move it somewhere else and it be situated because we've talked about as Adam highlighted there, we don't matter anymore. The local fan, or as what some people described it from a source, the legacy fans no longer matter. It doesn't matter if we go to games. The pandemic has proven that fans are not necessary in stadiums anymore. Football can continue without fans in the grounds. It doesn't matter whether you've got 60,000 local or people travelling from the local area and, of course, around the UK and from abroad to go to the Emirates to watch Arsenal. But we're not needed anymore. And the idea that we've seen not just games, but whole clubs, whole sports franchises in other sports move cities. Stan Kroenke, we know very well with the LA Rams, the St. Louis Rams. Um, But we also see it in football already. La Liga has played games in the Middle East. La Liga games. uh, Sorry, not La Liga, the Super Cup games. The Spanish Super Cup game was moved, I believe, to the Middle East. La Liga matches were being negotiated to be moved elsewhere around the world and it was an absolute outrage and it's always including one of the big spanish sides barca atleti or uh, real madrid and usually not together usually with one of the smaller sides and it's typically ironically it was not the uh, the big side losing a home game it was one of the smaller teams your cadiz your Espanyol's, your your hatafes these sides losing their home game to get it played abroad so they could watch barcelona still play an away game but in a different country. Now, what is your kind of feeling around the idea and the reality and the likelihood of a sports franchise becoming real so that Arsenal's league games or the Super League games could be picked up and taken to a whole different continent?
4: I think it's going to be incredibly likely, and I think that's kind of what I mean. And I mentioned it in the in the WhatsApp group before. Tom mentioned it on the show. I'm pretty sure Adam's probably already had similar thoughts because he's mirrored the uh, same sentiments, but... It would not surprise me if the whole reason why Cutter was nominated as the host of the World Cup is because I think Cutter is going to play a vital role in what's about to happen moving forward.
3: Are you saying Qatar? You are, aren't you? Yeah, we, we, say, we, say, we, say, we say Cutter. So. Pizza pie and
4: Cutter's. And cutter.
3: I mean, yeah. Like yeah. cutter for your pizza. Oh, go on. Sorry, that was bad. Go on. But yeah,
4: um, <laughs> that's actually pretty decent. Actually, I'm surprised. Uh, there you go, frankly. There you go. Um, so yeah, I, I would not surprise me because you have so many nations that – Do have the infrastructure available that can sustain neutral venues being de facto home venues for clubs that could easily just move. Like, for if you look in the United States, we have the most hundred thousand plus capacity stadiums in the world because you factor in NFL stadiums that exist, college stadiums that exist. I can't even tell you how many we have. You have again, you have Kroenke building the new stadium in LA, and I think as much as I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt over the years, much to my stress level, because, you know, with, with the discussions about it, that's why part of me genuinely thinks that I think he dug his heels in Arsenal for a very long time, because I think he knew about this from, from ground level. And I think he wanted to be a part of it. And I think that's why he was willing to go through the things that he's gone through, because the, the potential financial gains of being a part of this it speaks for itself from a business standpoint, and that goes back to what Tom said. So I, I, do think, and you see it in other sports. Well, the NHL started to play preseason games in other countries. NBA goes to other countries to go to abroad. They go to Africa. They go to Asia to play games. They go to South America to play games. NFL Europe, that was it wasn't was they tried that, but then now the NFL started to play at London Stadium. One yeah, or Wembley. two. Yeah, one or two games a year they started to play. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're seeing in other sports trying the same idea bit by bit over time of getting people exposed to the idea that Mm -hmm. athletics and sports in general, not just football, but sports in general, are going to end up being a global thing somewhere down the line in human history. It's not just going to be localized to to particular countries. I know that's that's looking way down the line. It might even be in our life. I might not know. But football being the true global game, was always going to be the one to headline it if it was to come to that. And I think it's going to come to that. I think we're already seeing some kind of some of the things that you're going to, it's going to be used to that. So I I don't, I don't think it's going to be uh, because Kronkies moved franchises before and and moving franchises is normal in the U S you usually move a franchise because you want to make more money. And when franchises, lose money year on year on year then a lot of the pundits are asking "Well, why hasn't this franchise moved so i know a lot of people don't follow the nhl that are going to be in the chat but one prime example is that there's a team called the phoenix coyotes they've lost money every year since they came into existence into the nhl for over 20 years they've they've made a deficit in their books every single season instead of moving the franchise the nhl has paid off their debts and kept them there because they want to try to make a franchise in that part of the country work but an owner can come in and say, listen, this is like a money sinkhole. I want to move it to a more profitable fan base where there's more fans that are more willing to watch hockey. People in the desert don't care about hockey. So why is there a hockey team there in the first place? <laughs> so then they could theoretically move them. So it would not surprise me if, depending on what goes on with this thing, let's say there's such a backlash with with the with say with just Arsenal from an Arsenal standpoint perspective, that say we, we get kicked out of Premier League. You know, players don't want to come here because they can't play for X, Y, Z. I don't know if there's anything necessarily stopping Kroenke from saying, well, we're just going to move Arsenal, and now we're going to play our home games in L.A. because we just built a stadium there that is a larger capacity than, you know, the Emirates. They already have that infrastructure in place to make that move almost overnight, in theory. So it would not support, or, and you could have another club do the same thing. Like, if, if things go south with, say, Real Madrid, they could just move, to, to, to Qatar or Qatar, or, you know what I mean? Like that could happen because that infrastructure is now in place once the World Cup exists and and, 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 and goes off there, you have stadiums there for, for what reason? Do you know what I mean? Like,
3: yeah.
4: I know it might sound slightly tinfoil, but I think all of these things, I, I'm not a fan of coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences, especially in this instance, I think things kind of line up on, on multiple fronts too much for it to just be, like a, a one-off thing with this, do you know what I mean? Like to me, it just seems like all the ducks are starting to get into a row, and whether it happens in, in a couple of years or a decade or whatever it is, I do think that we're we're heading down a different path, um, and and the entity of like football as we know it currently, I think it's going to be wildly different in in five ten years time. So.
3: Um, Tom, what do you think about Janice's super chat there? He says, the difference is that sporting franchises in the US have been built off the investors that built the league. The football clubs started off locally as the local social clubs, which have then been invested, been, in in some words, you might want to use the word, invaded, I suppose, by these investors from across the world, have then built up these clubs um, to to these varying levels of, of size across the world, I suppose. So do you think that we can draw comparisons between how it might affect our standing in terms of a franchise moving abroad. Or do you think the fact that there is ties more ingrained within the culture of of the UK, specifically for the English clubs that could stop that from happening or is it regardless, is it matter whatsoever? It doesn't matter.
2: Well, I, I think it's part, I think it does matter, but I think that's part of the appeal of the premiership, right. And about English football, it's the home of football. I mean, England, or shall I say, Britain, is very good marketing itself in in the arts, uh, music, film, sports. You know, we kind of, you know, we're punching above our weight in a lot of these things. So, I think that's the the, the legacy. Is is for example, in China, um, when people are in, you know, eating or importing certain types of food. Uh, middle-class people in China will eat something which is more expensive because it's from England or from Europe because there's there's that kind of
3: westernization
2: um, exactly which kind of creates a kind of an inflated value of of what you're consuming so I'm not saying Arsenal are overinflated but actually we probably are overinflated given our recent performances (laughs) but we do have a legacy we are we are from London we're playing like shit but I mean, on paper, we look really good, right? So that's part of. So we're selling the 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 idea of Arsenal, the city, the country, the swag, you know, the fans, the old leg, the the brilliant players we've had in the past. So there's value in that, and we're just not capitalizing on it. Let's be honest. And look where we are right now. Like, look at the way the league format is and the way things are. As a from a purely business perspective, it's not working. So. I, I totally uh see that yes, that as a as investors, yeah, I mean they do have a say and ultimately our custodians sold the club to them. So it's a little bit late to uh for us to kind of have a whinge and a moan because we had a chance before me as fans, we didn't really come together like the Liverpool fans did. Um, and look where we are now. So um, but on, and this kind of goes on to another point. Um that I feel like UEFA and FIFA are basically greedy buggers anyway. And they had a chance to kind of pull back from the pure capitalist direction that we we're heading with FFP. And Arsenal and the Emirates and everything we did at the end of the Eng- Wenger era, the second half, was built around FFP. And what happened to FFP, right? So, I mean, Basically. <laughs> so, I mean... We, I think, as fans, I think we sold out, we did this. Well, actually, no one really protected our interest. We tried to play by the rules, right? Mm. We didn't uh, throw a load of uh, uh, dirty um, uh, oil money or uh, um, uh, royal kind of sovereign fund money into the club and over uh, inflate prices and do all the, the stuff that some of our competitors have. We did it the right way, the, the buy Munich model. And look where it got us. We're, you know we're tenth in the league, right? So I think I, th- I think uh, if you want to
3: call it the Bayern Munich model, is I mean they did it a lot better. If that's the case,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but essentially we tried to do it the right way. Let's be honest, right? And you still got City, you still got PSG, you've still got Chelsea, um, and it's not working. So I feel like the they could have corrected the game FFP, and I mean UEFA could have put more provisions in place to stop i mean when you saw guys like neymar and uh, uh and um mbappe go for over 200 million you could already see that something was come on like this this is not yeah. sustainable and so mm. what do they do to to control that absolutely nothing right they tried and they and they and they, they back down and i feel like
3: it was city wasn't it yeah
2: exactly and i feel like these european bureaucrats who are running uefa don't realize that they're really dancing with the devils, right? They are playing with some very, very strong, wealthy men, some of the most powerful people in the world, and who they think they can control. And I real, I think they've just basically had a real slap in the face with the reality that they don't have the power they think they did. They don't have the control they want to exert over the rich clubs. And these guys are basically taking control of their assets and their destiny. So I don't blame them for doing that. But I think if the fans should be angry with anybody, it really should be UEFA. And what UEFA's, for me, what they've chosen to do over the last years is try and make more money for themselves. More useless games. They're creating, obviously, the Europa Conference League, Mm. expanding the Champions League. Is that to improve the quality of the the competition? No, it's to make more money. So these guys are just basically going to do it better than them. And they're not involved. So, I mean, who should we really be angry at here, right?
3: Mm. Um, it's, I, I get what you're saying, but um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm angry, Tom. <laughs> I'm, I'm still angry. I do You make a great point. I don't know who I'm meant to be angry at, but I'm still angry. Um, I mean,
2: the UEFA shouldn't. They shouldn't. It should have been FFP. FFP should have stopped all of this from happening, right? But they didn't.
3: And well, look yeah. at debts. It is. It's Adam, go on. Go on. I, on was,
0: I feel super conflicted. I, I don't I don't know if the emotion I'm feeling is anger. I don't know if I'm feeling happy. I, I can see that there, there is, for want of a better word, corruption in UEFA and probably to a lesser extent in the FA. Um, but I've seen some dodgy decisions in, in games. Um someone put a video of Van Persie getting a red card for kicking kicking the ball away and I just think about that type of stuff I've seen dodgy decisions I've seen um Barcelona be in crazy amounts of debt but still sign some of the best players we know that this is happening but I still I still don't know if I feel happy that Arsenal are part of this thing and I still don't know if I want this to be the way for um to, to stick it to UEFA because they can get on their moral high horse and say, see, this is so bad. And they have no right to do that. They have no right to do that at all. But this gives them that opportunity to do it. And I don't want to be in bed with with UEFA or Set Blatter or Seraphic because they are the bad guys as well. The sheer fact that Sky Sports have um, (laughs) um, put Monday Night Football free to air today just tells you everything you need to know. These people are disgusting. They're horrible, horrible people. Um, but as 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 bad as I feel about that. It's great for Arsenal to be in the same conversation as Real Madrid and Barcelona. I honestly, oh, don't know
3: what it is. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I get it. I understand it, and I think also there's a frustration around kind of like we've been out of this for so long that this this the golden egg, the, the the golden egg we're being like tempted with. It's that it is tempting, and I was trying to point out yesterday, and again, it's very very easy. I feel for people to completely misquote and misunderstand your intentions with when you say stuff like this, but I. Point I pointed out yesterday to a lot of people on the show, and I said, look, if if it's if this is going to happen, Arsenal, and in, in capital letters, must, must be involved. For the benefit of the club, they have to be involved. So it's all well and good, like being critical of this. But the fact of the matter is, is that it, they, they have to be involved in this. Now, I don't want it to happen. That That's that's my standard reaction to the idea of a Super League. That That's my stance. I don't want a Super League. I don't want it to happen. I want things to stay as they are. I would uh, The Champions League format, the Champions League as a, as a competition, that in itself is something that I was dreaming of Arsenal one day picking up and lifting. I'm never going to see that now from the looks of things and the way things are going. It's never going to happen. Never going to see it in our lifetime. It may never have happened in my lifetime anyway, but I'm there's no more chance of that happening. Um, and that's a really sad thing but the point of it is is that now we're in a situation where the the soul of the game dies because even the league like people talk about oh they're not going to kick us out of the league and i don't think that the league would kick us out either because ultimately the big 6 rather don't need the Premier League as much as the Premier League needs the big six to be involved. I mean, you think about the top game in the Premier League without them will be Leicester against Everton. That's the top game in the Premier League without the big six involved. Think about the viewership levels that are going to tune in for Leicester against Everton in comparison to having those big six. It's going to be ridiculous. It's not sustainable. It's it's literally not sustainable because those clubs do not have the global market anywhere close to those big six, and in fact, the big six teams together would go several, several hundreds of times over the supporter global bases of the other fourteen teams in the league. That's not me insulting them; that's just pure fact. That is just the situation yeah. that we're in. Now, what I want to focus on then is is the league and that point, because what I'm saying and what the point I'm trying to get to after this long rant is that we are, in my view, still going to be in the Premier League. It's still going to be there. But if this, if this Super League is going on and we're playing in midweek. There's a couple of things that we need to discuss. One of them is that the Premier League basically becomes secondary because you'll rotate to prioritise the, the Super League. <laughs> There's absolutely no doubt about it. Or there'll be so much money in those teams that Lefex will be able to have two teams of a certain quality that can play I mean, in both. Like Man City. like Man City currently do now in the Premier League and in the Champions League because they've got that much money and, and soon other clubs will catch up with the money that this will bring because the money that we're talking about actually dwarfs the investment of the investors that are already at those clubs. So... What the other point is, is that it removes the competitiveness at different levels of the Premier League. Now we talk about the competitiveness to get into the top half, to get into the top six, to get into the top four, and to win the title. It removes that entirely. So that the only point, the only two things that people are gunning for in the Premier League is to avoid relegation and to win the title. They're the only two things that you can fight for because there's no more top four. If UEFA tries to do a secondary competition, it will not matter financially. It will not matter in terms of like a social standing. It won't matter because the only thing that will matter is the is the, is the the Super League that's going on in midweek. So Adam, I'll come to you first and then go to the boys after. What's your kind of view around that side of things, the impact that it has on even if this goes ahead and Arsenal aren't kicked out of the Premier League does does the games for the rest of the season matter? Do the Premier League matches that we've got matter anymore? What what is your view around the league side of things?
0: As a football purist, I'm going to tell you of course they matter. Of course it matters. We have to watch football because we love the game and we want to see the game played. We want to see good players play against other good players. Um and I can just Im- I can see it now us talking about a young boy that comes through and says, but "Is he good enough to play in the the Super League though? Is he is he Super League quality?" <laughs>
3: Can um, you do it on yeah. a cold so, night on a Tuesday? yeah we're gonna be the stoke can, can they do yeah. it on a cold night of the emirates on a Tuesday yeah. we're gonna be the stoke of the super league <laughs> that's, that's the situation yeah.
0: um so, so yeah i don't I don't know I think I think there may come a time where it maybe they not you don't necessarily have a second team but you put out your your kids in the Premier League whoever's thought that would flipping happen. Um, and and then you save your your big guns for the for the super league. But I, I can I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Leicester UEFA, and I think well, what am I going to do to make the Champions League an attractive prospect? And they are either going to have to throw the book at some of the best players. Maybe they'll have to merge some of the clubs um, to to get the best players in one one place to try and make that attractive. I, I don't. I don't know what they do, but I think there's going to be something crazy that happens because I. the more time goes on is the more I think this looks like it actually might happen. And when news first broke, I didn't think it was going to. But here we are 24 hours later and it, it seems like it, it's genuinely still going through. So, yeah, I think the league will obviously become less competitive because... People like to put their eggs in one basket. And I think if you've got a game coming up against Real Madrid and you know that's gonna earn you a lot of money, um, and winning it will get you more money, you're not gonna risk those players playing against bloody
2: Burnley on a Saturday because yeah, that's just it's just not well, sensible. To to me personally, I think the league if this happens, the league is done. Period. I think they just can't say it because it's you know, it's like talking about the stages of Brexit or coming out of lockdown. There's certain things you just you know it's coming, but you can't say it because the PR will be dreadful. The premiership is dead if this competition goes ahead. There's no there's no ifs, buts, or maybes about it. It's finished. None of it will make any sense anymore. And the it just global
3: Carabao Cup. <laughs>
2: it, yeah, it will destroy everything, basically all the levels down. Like, what will be yeah. the point? It's it's over. Yeah,
4: just no. Yeah. I, I I agree with Tom and um I guess what what Adam is saying is one. I I think for me, it doesn't matter if if Arsenal and, and City and Liverpool and and, and they' like don't get kicked out. I think they'll just walk on their own accord anyway. Because there's, I think the like the rough math was that for just as an example, the Super League would earn a club maybe four or five times what current Champions League gets them just the Super League. And when that much money is involved, eventually all the TV rights is just going to go to the Super League. So what you're not going to get enough money from the Premier League for it to really matter anymore, or those clubs would would view something like Premier League fixtures as the way to 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 give their kids extra extra match time. Literally, you would start playing academy players in the Premier League, but your actual league de facto in your mind and the way you build your team out would be the Super League. So, so it's one of those two things. I don't know if the Premier League is going to fold, but it's just not going to matter anymore to, to the bigger clubs. I, I I think that's just the way it's going to go. I don't think it would take that long for it to happen either. I think we'll just have to look at the numbers behind it. Within three years, four years, you would see it, I think. I, I genuinely think that. Because really all it takes is one or two years of this, and all of a sudden Arsenal's debt is completely clean off the books. We're not going to have any anymore. So, yeah, no, no, I just, I just feel like – eventually the clubs will just walk away from the Premier League. I I think enough clubs are going to then look at the numbers and say, you know what, kind of what we just discussed before, even if we don't like it, from a business and financial standpoint, Arsenal has to be in the Super League. Mm. From an ownership standpoint, I think enough clubs are going to have that same honest discussion. And, I I mean, I absolutely love Bundesliga, and I I love the, 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 the additional purity you get from it. But eventually Bayern will break. Leipzig will break. Leipzig would probably be the first one to jump because their model, <laughs> well, because yeah. what we discussed before, their model is not like other Bundesliga clubs. They're more likely to look towards the finances because of because they're under the Red Bull flag. And I think eventually, other clubs will bite. I do think eventually someone like a Dortmund will go because they are struggling financially. Bayern will eventually want to play against historic. European rivals instead of having to, to absolutely smack Freiburg six nil every week, you know, they'd rather go on and, and play against, buying a built and bred to play against the best and win against the best. So if they don't have that anymore, they're gonna wanna go where it is. Eventually they will break. And I just think it's, and once those, once those things start to happen, I think you will see a, someone like a Leicester who, their ownership came in and they wanted to challenge the, the traditional top six, not become the best club because the top six literally up and left, like there's a very, very different thing. Mm-hmm. And if the money goes to where those clubs went, they will follow the money. That's the natural, Tom can speak about it more than I could because I'm not an economist, but you go where the money is in business. If the money is there, you go where the money is. If you have any interest in, on having a successful business model and you wanna make money and you wanna expand your brand, you're going to go where the money is. And if the money eventually leads to that, that's that's what's going to happen. So I think for me, the bigger clubs, more so than the, the six that are going, will go. And I think the Premier League will still remain, but it's just it's going to lose its value. It's going to become more like a championship or like a League One where you're going to have, like not as so far as Charlton will come back to the Premier League, but is it really the Premier League? Not Really? So, you
3: know. Um, M Hobin with the Super Chat says Premier League would need to move to like an American playoff style system to make the league games mean anything, which Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense, obviously, because teams would look at the facts and go, look, I mean, if you're at the top of the table or if you're nowhere near the top, there's no point in even competing anymore because there's nothing else to play for. So, yeah, it, it, uh, that makes 100% sense. But you could also say if someone's at the top of the league and they're nowhere near kind of the cutoff point for the playoffs, then what have they then got to play for for ages? They would just play weakened teens because they don't need well, to they win. Can, and then other they
4: teams, teams would the,
2: play for the draft. So that's, why, that's, that's, that's,
4: exactly, that's exactly right. That's why do you think teams 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 here historically trade away their best players at the trade deadline to tank the season because they know they're going to get the number one draft pick next season if they finish last. Yeah. So you're starting just, to with that
3: kind of thing. There's no, there's no realistic way to, to make us at that system kind of work because of the, the – it's not necessarily corruption, but just the loopholes and the, the, taking, the exploitation that goes on. Anyway, we've got a ton of questions, uh, as you can probably imagine, um, that we've got to get through. So um, I know a lot of your answers have been well thought out and strung out, and I can understand why, guys, because we need the information. But for this section, if we could try and keep our answers uh, as condensed – as possible so drew get you know get your and hat on and uh and we can do this mate i believe in you i trust you um and we're going to start with you just to test you mate it says i'd argue we'd have a better chance of winning the premier league since there's no consequences in the european super league i don't think we will go for it why would we really care as long as kse's pockets are lined
4: I don't know how to answer that question. There's like 65 different ways you can tackle it, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think our chances would increase because I feel like we're gonna want to focus on being succe- most successful where the most money is, and I think that's kind of how most ownership groups w- would also want to handle that same scenario. So no, I, I don't think that's gonna necessarily matter. That's probably the only way I could maybe keep it succinct and simple. So yeah, I think we're gonna <laughs> yeah, you. I, yeah I, I, I think I, I think we're gonna focus on the ESL or whatever the hell it's gonna be called. Yeah. Kind of I mean line, if, but, if they're
3: you I mean you can imagine if the money that you're getting for just entering the competition is this amount, the imagine amount winning finishing it. higher up mm-hmm. that that table, the money that'll be involved with that, which will then again it'll just create another scenario where you widen the gap between the top of the I Super just, League and the bottom of the I, Super there's
2: League. There's one thing that I really want from American sports and that's the Super Bowl ring that would be so <laughs> epic if you get a ring at the end of the season that is so cool you never can you imagine like Kroenke just goes
3: up and he's just got bare hands because Arsenal ain't winning anything so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt G says will fans stay unhappy if Arsenal start spending 200 million every summer on transfers Adam
0: give it to me bring (laughs) it give it to me unless of course unless of course Barcelona and real, real Madrid are spending 400 million every summer. Well, that's what would
3: happen. Yeah. That's, then I'm that's just going to we'll start happen.
0: complaining. I'm going to say, get crunky out again, aren't I? So,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's less it Why are you only spending <laughs> 250 million? Stop yeah. spending so little every summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the way it's going to go, isn't it? Um, uh, Tom, the real Janice says, why does the Europa League or the rest of the season even matter? <sighs>
2: I think it does because, look, we still I would still want to get a European Cup in our trophy cabinet, so it still matters, right? Any competition we're in, and it's the only competition we're in uh, this season, so we have to go for it. It does matter.
3: Christopher Fung Drew says, without even being able to establish a competitive advantage in the current landscape, will we finally pick a direction in the Super League, the Dortmund model or the win-now model? I really like this question.
4: It's a great question. I think it almost kind of goes back to what Adam was just saying. Is I guess what both of you were saying, this doesn't mean we're now going to be on par with spending power with other clubs necessarily. It just means that we're going to have access to greater… Another,
3: another shot.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's it's access to it's access to greater yearly revenue. It doesn't mean we're going to become magically more successful. I still think we do need a direction. I I I don't honestly. I have no idea. Um, I think what would make sense is to because of the, the revenue that this can potentially generate, it would make sense for our spending model to change and try to spend more money. But as you just said, if we spend two hundred million and cities spend six hundred million, we're, we're right back to square one. But in, in essence, we're still making more money as a club, but not necessarily winning anything. I think it's, that's why I think it's boiled down to, this is all about just making as much money as possible, making sure that the, the, the investment and, 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 and stock portfolios are all buffed as much as possible. I don't think it means we, we think we can go on and win it. I don't think that has anything to do with it, so.
3: Uh, Ed says uh, is there any proof that the European Super League teams presented a compromise middle ground between the Champions League and the ESL before going nuclear I Ed the the I mean the evidence that we've got tells us that no that's not the case I and mean, when you look at the way that um the UEFA president's calling out people as effectively snakes this came completely out of the blue and yelly and all of those clubs resigned from the European Club Association basically at the last minute the other night so no from as far as we're t- told and we can piece the, the kind of puzzle pieces together there was no negotiation that was public there was no kind of offers there was no middle ground it was a case of the Champions League revamp was what was UEFA was going to put forward and then as soon as the clubs realized that they had an opportunity to break away and not agree to this new Champions League setup and the benefit of having no fans in grounds to protest they just went for it, and that's what's happened. Um, this is a question for kind of everyone, I suppose. Now, we'll tweak it ever slightly. Uh, David Lincoln says, would you subscribe to a Netflix-style platform if it meant lining their greedy pockets? And this, what I want to tweak this is to basically to you guys, and it does bleed from the question, is that Arsenal, if, if this happens, and it looks like it will... Are you gonna stop? Are you gonna is this gonna anger you so much that you stop supporting Arsenal, that you stop watching Arsenal, that you stop subscribing and stop doing any of that? Is there anyone out of any of us here, anyone in the chat box that is gonna stop doing all of the things that you currently do now to watch Arsenal? Because I'm gonna be very honest, and whilst I've been very moany about the whole super league. I'm not going to stop watching Arsenal. I'm still going to watch Arsenal. I'm still going to put on shows. I'm still going to analyse some Austrian wonder kid that Arsenal are never going to sign. It's still going to happen. Adam, what do you think?
0: Yeah, of course I'm going to watch football, man. I love it. I've (laughs) loved it since since I was a kid. And Just because Stan Kroenke has proven that he's a greedy guy, I'm not going to stop supporting Arsenal. Um, I think also the... Sky Sports and BT Sports costs were becoming exorbitant. So, uh, if there you is a. You think it's going to be cheaper? <laughs> I, you know what? I actually do. I actually do think it's going to be cheaper yeah. because there'll be more people that they can reach. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I can reckon it will come down to like a 20, 30 pound a month type thing. And I would be more than happy to pay that because I stream every single match illegally um now yeah maybe i shouldn't have said that i'm sorry
3: what did you say
2: nothing didn't say anything
3: i was busy doing comments i didn't even hear what you said don't (laughs) worry
2: don't worry i don't i don't i don't have any recollection of that comment
3: oh great (laughs) oh for goodness sake (laughs) what did you say nothing Okay. So, um, what do you think?
2: Uh, what was the question again? Uh,
3: would you stop watching football?
2: No. Come on. Like uh, no. Um, I think um, I think uh, I think Dazone was cheekily mentioned. I, I remember reading something yesterday. Um, I mean, the Dazone model is pretty. Smart, right? It's like a global platform, like a Netflix for sports. And you subscribe to the zone and you get everything all of their content. So, boxing, some football games. I think they have something like the, some rights in Italy for the football, whatever. So, I'd imagine it would just fit onto one of these kind of digital tech platforms because also that's where the money's moving these days anyway. So, it would probably be like an Amazon, Google zone own kind of company who would probably partner with these guys to make it happen so if you'd pay $10 a month $20 a month and you get all the content of all the, these these super teams on your phone direct with all the cool stuff that goes along with it sign me up it's definitely not going to be 90 quid a month plus 15 quid for the odd games which aren't shown on telly so I definitely think these the the BT and Sky have definitely uh, taken a lot of the fans for granted although they're all crying on tv today about how much they care about the fans but you know 90 quid plus a month is a lot and I don't imagine with only 12 so sorry 15 20 teams to share the pot across all of Europe and all the world global audience I think the the numbers won't be as high. Uh
4: No I mean I, I fully agree I think as Adam said, the reason why Netflix doesn't cost 100 pounds a month is because how many people have Netflix? They don't need to charge 100 pounds a month. The second that this opens up to a global audience in that ilk, that size and scope, you can make it relatively affordable for most people—10 pounds, 20 pounds a month, or 10,000, dollars Do you know how many things I have to subscribe to? And it's easy to put it in. I have to subscribe to three different things to watch matches. Like I'm, I'm already paying, you know, 50, 60 dollars a month just, just to, just to watch football. So. You know it, it sucks and as much as i hate the model i'm used to having to do it you know because i'm not a local fan i have to i will re- already rely on subscription services to be able to watch football um unless i do it through other means um like someone else in this group potentially um <laughs> but yeah no so I, um it's just for me like i'm, I'm still gonna do it because I think like all of us, despite we might feel more disconnected with the game when things like this occur, the fact is we all are still connected to the game on some other greater level. That means despite our reservations, we're going to want to always watch it. You know, it's always going to be a part of our lives to a a very large extent. So everyone kind of had the same thought process here when we had to do one subscription after another and people were really against it. Eventually we all broke. And I think ownership knows that owners know that fans will break and fans will pay. And if they lose some fans, there's more fans to be gained. That's the thing. Even if you lose viewership now, the viewership will still grow overall because there's more people that will say, I'll just take that person's place effectively. So they're not gonna care about that. So no, I'm I'm not gonna stop watching. I'll probably still moan, obviously, but um, no, I I think we all love football too much to, to, to not wanna watch it.
3: Century, so. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with you. I think it's just be a case where we're all gonna do what we need to do to keep watching it it's more down to kind of it's not even about like the whole um because obviously we talk about how much people are paying at the moment it's ridiculous um and it might be come down to one package and i i I said for ages i don't know why the premier league doesn't start its own streaming service i don't know why it's not done this for a long long time because it would make a hell of a lot more money it would have more control over the rights of it as well um and that was one of the things I wanted to pick up on, I know I'm hijacking question section, so I apologise uh, profusely, guys. You will get more questions in before the end. We've still got 15 minutes now. Um, but have you? I'm sure you've seen like Gary Neville and and people on these different like Sky and BT, absolutely going in on these clubs and and having a go about how it's 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 ruining the sanctity of the game and it's against the fans, whilst at the same time working for. The companies that have scheduled games are awful times for fans that have not considered the fans when making those decisions and have obviously charging fans a hell of a lot of money so that some individuals go off and do things that they shouldn't,
4: Um, not naming any games.
3: Do you know what I mean, Drew? Do you know what I mean?
4: No, I don't know. Like, it sucks now because I mean I've been enjoying the conversation, even if, though it's been like a dire topic. But now I'm just kind of getting annoyed the more I think about it because <laughs> I, I think the one thing that's always appealed to a lot of fans, maybe not even just people in the states, is that uh, again I think football is kind of pure. And I think now you're seeing the players that have spoken out about. I've all alluded to the fact that football is kind of a pure. There's, there's, there's a purest ro- romanticization about football that when things like this kind of happen, it loses that luster. So I think for now, I'm kind of like thinking back about all those kind of things, and um, I'll, I'll try to link it to the chat. Someone I um, I write and podcast with at, at, at Yama, Luke, he gave like a two-minute voice clip about um, when we played Ludegarets. There was a, uh, I forget his name, but the player who, uh, they had to get past the style of Bucharest to get into um, the competition and had the keeper sent off. And the the, the the field player that had to p- go into goal for the penalty shootout and, and scored just pen and save too, he was the player that Ludegraerts got from Stala's biggest rival. And then he ended up helping knock out Stala from the competition. You're not going to see that anymore if football keeps going in this direction. So it's kind of like a, it's a weird – now I'm like this weird, like nostalgic kind of thought process about, like, what this means moving forward for the game. So it's I like,
2: actually, I was actually hmm? going to jump on the back of that, actually, because as much as I'm uh... – Getting all excited about being part of the the super intergalactic league that we're about to join. What on earth does that mean for youth football? Will you get another Bukayo Saka? Yeah,
3: I think someone actually asked the question earlier on in the chat box. They're saying, "What will it? What will happen?" Um, through that, because I mean, maybe the Premier League will get used to blood the youngsters. <laughs> that's that's what we're going to use it for. That that and I'm, and Wait, I'm not even kidding.
2: Could we we buy another club like uh Watford, right?
3: Oh, we're going to yeah, get Red come- Bull Arsenal. That's what we're going to yeah, do. Arsenal. <laughs> team. No, but seriously, because
2: I mean, let I have to be honest with you. Like as much as I'm laughing and joking about it now, um, the only my what keeps me connected to Arsenal, and I'll be like, I probably could have switched off Arsenal this year, given how bad we were. If it wasn't for Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka, I probably wouldn't be watching games. I, I have to be honest. Like, I think it got so bad at that point because obviously we're all so passionate about the club and seeing the young players come through, despite all the money and all the billions, all the hundreds of thousands of pounds we throw to the Obers and the Urzels, seeing Saka come through and one of our own. And it it, it reminds us of the old days, you know, when the FA Cup meant something. And when those, you know, obviously, we maybe come from a different generation than some of the younger fans. But when the games actually meant something. So those guys kind of ground me or ground us as fans because they bring us back to what football is all about, you know, playing for your local club, you know, realizing that dream like we all had to play for our club. And I think, yeah, those guys keep me going. And when we don't have one of those guys around and we're not performing, I kind of get disenfranchised. So I do wonder if we have all the money in the world and we're buying the the Mbappes and Neymar you know, 2.0s and whatever, and we don't get that local London lad or that local Croydon lad or Essex lad who's, who's playing for the club, what that would actually mean and would we say five, ten years down the line, have the same passion for the club when it has it is basically unrecognizable from the community where it came? If if I'm
0: honest, I think a smart businessman utilizes the youth even more. Um, number one, because as you alluded to, we all love that, that kind of success story. We love the fact that Bu- Bukayo Saka has come through the ranks, is now playing for Arsenal and has at times carried this team on his back. Um, so I think that is a nice... Odd. All season. <laughs> I think that is a nice story um, that would allow you, and a beautiful narrative that would allow you to sell more merchandise, that type of stuff. But also, I think Chelsea have been fantastic at doing this, is using... The, the the loan system as like another revenue stream. So if you develop all these kids and you have a bloated youth squad, you can then start selling them to, um, I don't know, the Watfords, the Norridges, the, all those guys. And I don't know, maybe no, they give them have any money. money. Sorry, say yeah. that again? Yeah. <laughs> the most clubs any don't any exist
3: money. anymore, Adam. basically, money, yeah.
2: you're we- going to have the premiership well, the, Europis, the ESL, and yeah. then basically League Two. That's what's going to happen. See, in terms of like, what the chasm about. between the, the money between the two clubs. They said that they are going to put more money
0: in the pockets of the football pyramid than. They say
3: that now. <laughs> A- yeah,
0: A- yeah, but- I'm
3: choosing to believe them. And I'm well, guessing you've know Here's the wall, guess, and it's going over your eyes, Adam. <laughs> the thing
2: is, let's be honest, right? Right now, they have a way to rewrite football, where it's more fair, grassroots, everything, you know. Mm. But let's be honest, look at the guys behind it. So all of this is not conducive to making more money. But they don't care. So if they don't care like we do. So as much as we want, yeah, they're going to support if they don't write the rules and remember these guys are writing their own rules. There is no, they're not going to be, um, they're going to be like the NFL commission. It's not, it, they will write their own rules, their own constitution. So they're not going to have a governing body telling them what to do anymore. So why would they want to support the, the Brentfords and the, and the Leicesters and the West Ham's there's no incentive for them to do it whatsoever.
4: And now to remember that we're talking about owners who like, like for example, Cronky owns an MLS franchise and MLS does little to nothing to support football clubs in the United States that aren't in the MLS you know a lot of those clubs go go default they have to rely on local communities for for things like sponsorship or, or revenue or money you know Cronky isn't sitting there helping out smaller clubs in Colorado he barely helps out the, the rapids but that's because the rapids are an awful franchise to begin with but that's besides the point but I, I, just, I don't know I, I kind of feel like the issue with, with what you were saying with, with Chelsea's model, when it comes to um, selling youth as revenue, there's so much money in this new idea that you don't need to sell youth for money anymore. Mm-hmm. They, 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 can, they can completely abandon that whole philosophy and they can just rely on the money and the finishing process and the sponsorship and the revenue from how much money that can potentially be in the European Super League. That the, also, the, what we know of transfers actually. could become irrelevant. You know what I mean? So you go on,
2: go, on, go on. Sorry, I was just gonna say because they are all in bed with each other, they could also set wage caps and transfer caps. So they could say, well, for anyone who's a non whatever league player, we don't we don't want to spend more than 10 million. They can do whatever they want. There's nobody telling them what to do. Yeah, so they, there won't be that kind of you know, drain of like we how we kind of cherry pick league uh, players from the French league. If they don't want to do that, they don't have to.
3: That in itself though is gonna breed conflict because because they're in control as soon as some clubs start and i can imagine that we'll probably be one of them as soon as some of these clubs start finishing near the bottom And things start widening because the teams at the top are earning a lot more money from where they're finishing. Because, I mean, Arsenal are starting on a very much lower level with the club, the squad that they have, unless they start to invest heavily this summer, next summer, whatever. Unless that starts to change, whether clubs will even sell to, to ESL clubs, we don't even know if that's going to be the case. And I imagine if you know you're selling to an ESL club, you're going to hike the price up of your players like crazy um so you've got to factor that in obviously players are going to want to move to these clubs to be involved with it but the clubs under if you're under contract you're still the ball is not in your court it's definitely in the court of the selling club so that that's going to be a really really big problem is that the clubs eventually they'll be growing conflict because they'll realize that the rules that are in place are only benefiting those top teams and all it will take is for one club to turn around and go i've had enough of this I don't want to do it anymore and drop out. And the whole thing could come crashing down. uh, And that's in itself. By the clubs running it and it not being run by an independent body makes it very vulnerable and unstable in itself Mm. to to it collapsing. Um, Because at the end of the day, whilst they talk about the fact that we're doing everything we can for the footballing pyramid, and of course they still are focusing on on maximising revenue – their the owner's main interest is their own pockets and and how they're going to make that through their own club. And if their club is suffering in comparison to the others, that will start to create tension and conflict.
2: What so have you really been- not
0: believe they're going to do anything good for the football pyramid at all? Not if they don't have
4: to. Um,
3: they, uh, did you hear that what um uh Kaveh Solico on Sky said today? Mm. You've seen his quote where he said basically that, that their primary objective yeah. is to maximise the revenues of the, their club and that the overall view of football, the overall beneficiary of football as a sport, is secondary to that. That that but that's, tells but that's, you
4: everything.
2: But, but, that's I th- but the thing is, this is what I think, <laughs> that it would almost inevitably end up in a draft system of sorts, right? Because mm-hmm. why, if you're making, say, these clubs now start to make half a billion or a billion every year each or whatever why do they need to spend on transfer wages to teams not in the club like it, it's they have all the collective buying power now so I just think that they can say we're not going to spend more than 10 million on any transfer and mm. what do the clubs outside it say because they won't have the money to compete even with 10 million maybe or 20 million so they will have all the power and all the money and then if they do have all the money, then that why should it all be spent on salaries and transfer fees? And instead, it just goes, instead of, so you get rid of the transfer fee or try and reduce it, and the rest just goes on salaries and into the owner's pockets. Why would there now be all of that money going into smaller clubs when you, you don't really need to? I mean, this is, it's really a massive power grab. These guys will, if you're in, you're in. If you're out, just forget about it and like i said there's no governing body who supersedes them or can tell them what to do so mm-hmm. i i also yeah that that trickle down economics is is absolute nonsense they will keep mm-hmm. all of that money direct can you imagine cronkey getting an extra 3 400 million quid and he's going to spend it on transfers
3: <laughs> what what's he going to do buy another branch with it <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, yeah. It, it, the thing is, is that maybe for the for a competition that could have really done good things for us and as you pointed out, we've got the wrong owner for it. Um, well, it's, it
4: real fast, it, 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 like you guys are saying, it, it benefits owners to not help the pyramid because then you get the pyramid's best players. For for you know, it it, it makes more sense to have fewer clubs in existence or able yeah. to sustain that level of footballing ability because then you can have it for yourself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason why All you should practice. help. Out you. Essentially, you're
4: there's no reason to buff up your competitor the whole re- if you're splitting off and you're trying to form your league whether if it's a sub competition or you're trying to make it an actual league like we were maybe discussing earlier mm-hmm. you're viewing any other league as a competitor and in the business world you want to kill off your competitor right so you want it's no different than if you if you start your own your own your own business whatever corporate firm and you see this this one talented person at this one business you want to poach that person from that business because you want to put that other entity there your competitor right so the whole reason you're going to take their best and brightest right so you're looking at that's what i mean before is that i think you have to look at transfers very very differently if this comes off or gets as big as to maybe the potential is there this is very much you have to start you have to look at this from a corporate standpoint if you look at it from a corporate standpoint, you will see what can potentially happen. I'm not saying it's going to because we don't know what, what's going to happen, right? Whether the mitigating factors can, can go on. But if you look at it from a corporate lens, you, you'll you see what, what could happen. And what we have seen happen, mom and pop stores always go out of business because they lose whatever it is to to, to, to bigger entities that they can't compete with eventually. And you're going to end up seeing that. So,
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really uncertain time. Um, it's one that we don't really know what's going to happen, what the potential of it can be. Um, it's I was going to say it's exciting, but it's not exciting at all. <laughs> just, I,
2: was actually, I was actually thinking of just one other point because even if you put a quota on homegrown players, what if you're not one of the your the you're a country which doesn't have one of the club like Ajax, for example? So would you? Is it fair that just because you're in London, you then have a choice of three clubs, for example? That's not fair. So they probably won't put that restriction in place. Yeah. So then, um, yeah. So when you think about it, it's like, you know, that homegrown thing will probably be thrown out as well. But you can then just basically get in all the best talent from all over the world, regardless of of, of passports, uh, language, whatever. I think everything's up for grabs now. Yeah it's, it's going to be a,
3: yeah. oh man <laughs> it's, it's going to be crazy times seeing where this goes the end of the season is I mean I was already looking forward to the end of the season with this in place it's like nothing even matters at all uh, as much in regards to league football and football in general so We'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes. I'm sure more news is going to break out uh, from this too. So we'll just have to you know, keep our keep our ears to the ground and eyes to the television screens. Thank you, Hoping for the super chat. He says, in 10 years, it will be the only main league in Europe and expanded to 36 teams. It will be like the NFL and the NBA. I, kind of, I can see it gradually expanding more and more and more as more teams come Ooh. on board with it. And eventually it will turn into like a European Premier League with lots of different divisions underneath it. And and it will just be basically a whole European table and Arsenal being League Three. So uh, we can't wait for that. We can't, we can't wait. Um, anyway, we're going to wrap things up there. We've, we've covered a hell of a lot on today's show. Um, and it's been a fantastic kind of insight into your guys' thoughts, especially you guys have been brilliant uh as panelists uh you've been uh informative you've been in some cases too revealing which has been really great and we appreciate it um but thank you so much for listening in people uh we always appreciate you guys in the chat box dropping a like on the video subscribing giving everyone a follow first of all let me thank tom really appreciate your time mate always a pleasure
2: yeah i can't believe we got through 90 minutes without talking about jose Mourinho.
3: We didn't. That's very true. Yeah, if there's one man that could take the steam away from the Super League. It would be him. So fair play to that man. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe the amount of people that bought the story about he left because of the Super League. <laughs> How many people bought into that? That turned out to be. A How many rubbish. times
2: has he been sacked now?
3: Oh, I've lost count. I mean, he's failed at three English clubs um so yeah so he's the the famous three fingers (laughs) as he pulled up in the press conference is now the amount of times he's been sacked by an English club actually that's true that's wrong it's four times is it not because he was at Chelsea twice so uh, did he get sacked twice so it's four times Mm, unbelievable scene there you go. Um, thank you as well to Drew, mate. Really appreciate your time as always. Glad to have you back on the show. Thanks for
4: having me back as always. And good chat with the guys. It was uh, ironically, it's a depressing topic, but it's probably one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. So there you go.
3: It's good yeah. chat. Good discussion. Uh, make sure I hope you've appreciated too in the chat for Dropping a like on the video. And finally, Adam, appreciate your time, son. Uh, don't get woken up in the middle of the night by a knock at the door. I'm sure it'll be no. fine. Don't answer Absolutely. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine. Right, uh, I appreciate it. On September, where they can find you?
0: Yep, uh, at TFO show and uh, the football terrace.
3: I shouldn't have told people where they can find you don't tell people where they can find you yeah. uh, we can avoid that as much as possible um, you can find Drew at Logic Lara on Twitter and you can find Tomo at Quantum underscore King on Twitter as well you can find us at Laguna Talk TV and myself at Tom Canton Media trust me there's going to be plenty more Super League content coming out of the channel and at 101 Great Goals as well as the content continues I mean I'm going, to have a, I'm going to have to get like a template done up where I can just press control and something and Super League pops up on my screen because it's just going (laughs) to save me a hell of a lot of time Um, really appreciate the time you spent watching the show guys we'll see you again tomorrow I'll be joined by Mike at 5 p.m. UK time for a let's talk Arsenal I can't imagine what we're going to talk about something I imagine will pop up between now and then Um, but we'll see you again very 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 soon and as always up the Arsenal